and welcome to Mind Your Peas, the Purposeful Leader's Guide. We believe in all the peas, people, purpose, planet, even pizza and Prosecco. And this week we're speaking to Joy Lewis, who's the CEO and founder of AEI Employability, an award-winning not-for-profit specialising in inclusive employment. Today, Joy's going to be sharing her thoughts and advice on socially driven employment and why this is a really critical part of any company's CSR. Joy, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for joining me. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Listen, just just tell us a bit about you and AI and your story. What inspired you to start the organisation? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, I was working in a think tank about 11 years ago and they were already using unpaid interns. And there was something about this that jarred with me, you know, just speaking to them, I could see that some were managing better than others. They were all super intelligent and, and desperate for the opportunity, of course, but, but some were being looked after by mum and dad and others were working in bars at night to pay them rent. So it was a real mixture and, and it didn't seem fair. Um, and I wondered about other talented graduates who perhaps couldn't entertain working for nothing. How could they get their step up onto their career ladder? And I guess it reflected on my values, but at, in 11 years ago, no one was talking about values. No. I, I couldn't have put that into words, but I just knew that my blood was boiling and it felt like an injustice. I needed to do something about it. So Adopt and Intern was born. Uh, yeah, 2009, 2010. The think tank was very supportive and I placed most of their interns <laughs> into paid work, mainly with the members of the think tank, ironically, uh, because they not only had money and wanted to pay the wages, but didn't know where to find the talent. So they were really pleased that I was able to introduce them. And, no, it, uh, makes, it makes absolute sense. And listen, it's gone from strength to strength since you made that first graduate placement in, I think, 2009. Um, just tell us a little bit about that journey and how AEI employability has evolved and of course you've got a name change recently tell us a bit about that. Yes um, so you know over the years now we've worked with about a thousand businesses and we've placed a thousand eight hundred unemployed or underemployed job seekers into paid placements or paid work. Um, we've never had an age limit so anyone can apply and we attract the attention of all kinds of different employers as well. Uh, so over the years, I think the emphasis has gone from graduates to job seekers and from internships to placements, because so many people have a different view of what a placement or what an internship is. You know, I was happy to say, no, this is a paid internship, not an unpaid internship. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it was a very organic change or, or, or move over the years. Um, yeah, and I think also it was due to our methods of advertising um, and our support for applicants because it was so inclusive. Um, and I think our reputation as a nurturing and encouraging social enterprise also supported um, uh, this um, move across to, to focus a lot more on diversity. We attracted this diversity through our shortlist because I made sure that every advert we posted um, for our employers was, um, had so much access. I went around all the universities, made sure that every university had a copy for their alumni. I wasn't really dealing with students. This was alumni, unemployed or underemployed. Um, and um, just 
widespread publicity. It took a long time to post every advert. Uh, we weren't going and using a database. We never have done. We weren't picking someone and saying, oh, there's a job for you. It was all about that equal access of opportunity. Um, so that diversity to our shortlist began to be noticed by employers and commented on more and more. Oh my goodness, I've never seen so many women on our shortlist. Oh my goodness, the diversity on that shortlist. And we thought, goodness me, this is working. Um, and, and, but as exciting as that was, we also realized that it wasn't enough just to attract them. You know, we knew from hearsay that although diversity was being interviewed, it wasn't necessarily getting into the job. Um, and we set about slowly but surely trying to break down some of those barriers that were happening at interview. And that led to other strings to our bow, like workshops. So diversity and inclusion workshops um, and also offering more social impact projects to help businesses CSR, which I know you're dealing with too, um, because of our experience. You know, we were doing stuff which we knew they could benefit from. Um, and this all led to our name change. So we, we were still adopt an intern, don't get me wrong, but we now trade as AAI, employability. And employing ability is the, the key thing here. And it also means that graduates now and people, job seekers from low-income families uh, are still the main focus for us. And I think 35% of our applicants are from um, uh, low-income families. Um, uh, so, and we also will, if a business says, I don't want a graduate, I actually want a student or I want somebody who's um, uh, not got a qualification, we can do that too because we're accessing them. So why wouldn't we? Yeah, there's that. I mean, it's just, there's a couple of things that you said there, Joy, that I um, I just don't didn't realize or, or don't know about. It may be a dumb question, but what is the difference between an internship and a placement was one. And secondly, you know, we speak to employers all the time. You talk about how difficult it is to get women to apply for certain jobs you know if it's a male dominated industry and you've just described how by being more inclusive and by trying new things and by focusing on that 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 people are starting to say gosh we've never seen as many women on the shortlist so I absolutely love that so I'd love to understand about the the, the practical tips and and actually what people you know what businesses can consider to make that happen for them. Well, yes. Well, firstly, they should come on some of our workshops. That's <laughs> definitely a must. Um, but uh, because that just heightens awareness, actually, and because each individual is different and each business is different, it has its own culture. On the internships and placement side, what's the difference? Well, that's an interesting one. And I I'm not sure I can tell you that I think an internship, it's a, it's a, historical thing isn't it internship started with the medical doctors in yeah. medical profession in America they called them internships we brought that over here and now they are synonymous with um, young people mainly students and often unpaid even to this day some people still think internships are unpaid you know yeah it's it's not even legal to um make somebody work for nothing so 
yeah, there's been a lot of education there. Um, so a placement is another word. And it also, I think it's a more inclusive word because if we advertise a placement, a 55 year old can apply. They don't think, oh, an internship is not for me, I'm too old. So that's one of the reasons. That you just reminded me of that Robert De Niro movie. It's called The Intern, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is, yeah. But no, I, I really, you know, that's that's something I've never thought about and never considered. And, you know, in our volunteering space, we need to be really careful. And we're absolutely passionate about volunteering is not there for, for free labor and it's not there to take someone's job away, you know, um, because because um, that would be horrific. So And so just talk to me about the sorts of things that, that you would, um, maybe on your workshops, of course, but advise businesses to do to, for example, get more women on the short lift. Is there any top tips? Oh my gosh, there are again so many and I'll re-emphasize this that every business is different because every business has their own barriers and it's only by doing a workshop that you find out what those are, where they are and support them. Um, but uh, to attract women, one of the things you have to watch is your language. You use masculine language like challenge, um, anything to do with um, hierarchy or promotion. And you know, some of these words just put women off. Um, so that's, there are apps that you can download to sort that out. Um, but just rereading something you've written will probably make you realize. Yeah, so powerful. Read it and say, oh, that scares me. And you'll hear that, that scares me. Take that off, you know, change that word. Um, so certainly the wording is one of the biggest things in your in your adverts. Um, but there are numerous other ideas that I can yeah. I couldn't call what couldn't say what number two was, but that is certainly the easiest one for you anyone to integrate. No, that's really helpful, Joy. Really helpful. Um, and so tell us about the organisations that that you work with. Um, do do you feel that they do have a focus on? sort of social responsibility or corporate responsibility activities? Um, an interesting question. We've, well, we've worked with and, and continue to work with some big corporates, but the market that tends to need our services most is probably the, the SME market, the small business market. Yeah. So we also work a lot with startups, for example, and scale-ups as as they want to do things differently. And we kind of pride ourselves on doing that as well, disrupting the market, uh, certainly disrupting the recruitment market. Um, they also need more handholding. And I love that we can do that for them. Uh, so we do work cross sector, public, private, and third, and all industries, but some come to us because of our focus. So they come to us because our focus is diversity and inclusion, and they like the idea of that, but not all of them share that focus. Does that make sense? Yeah. But the nice thing is that when they do work with us, they do find it very um, rewarding. And we know we perhaps make little steps in inroads into making them come into our way of thinking. So certainly by working with us, we like to think it's rubbing off um, and, and I think also by working with us, they, other people recognize them as a company who is interested in uh, 
equal equality of opportunity that is synonymous with with AAI now yeah and you know thinking about those startups and and scale-ups do you hear people talking about purpose you know this you know we're we're in the podcast called mind your peas which is all about purpose and people and of course profit but do you hear those startups and and scale-ups talking about their purpose and people over over more than profit do i hear them talking about that um uh yeah they definitely do i think it's a big thing now isn't it um you know i love this idea of um business uh, business for purpose um the what's the i've forgotten the name now of the there's a a little badge of honor that you can get do you know what i mean caroline can you remember what it is it's a you can call yourself this kind of a company if you are a purpose for good is it a b corp the b corp one or there you go yeah yeah b corp that's it that's the kind of thing isn't it yeah Um, it's a fab they're a fab um, organization we're actually a pending b corp and they're just the businesses you meet in there are so like-minded you know they're just they're just amazing really it's um there's about 500 members in the UK now, so. Um. Yes, but you know, if you're saying to me, should they all have that focus, um, then then I'd say yes. Um, I think just having a, being socially responsible is extremely important. Yeah. You know, so is there any socially driven businesses that, that you that you love to support personally? Do you, do you purchase because, because of that social, drive um yeah absolutely so one of the ones that we love um and i've worked with in the past um is hey girls um so they're focused on female care products i think you know them don't you yeah yeah celia's fab uh, they're very much about education around period poverty and helping remove the stigma from something that is perfectly natural um and what i also like about them is that they've got a great uh, supporting culture and they really do encourage their people to grow. And I remember we placed an intern in there um, a couple of years ago now, and she's still there. So that's a good sign. Um, uh, um, and more recently, we've been working with Lily Pads, which is a, a similar organization, but they're working with peer poverty abroad um, in, in Africa, I think. Um, and lovely ethos. Um, we've enjoyed working with them. Yeah. And then you've probably heard of Neatbox, perhaps, as well. Yeah, um, I do. I met Gavin Neat, actually, a while back. Yeah. Yeah. So we enjoy working with them, too. Very different company. Tech for good company. Empowering disabled people to be more autonomous um, in how they get into a shop. Their technology also helps businesses um, uh, to navigate any awkwardness that they might feel when having to talk to disabled people. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great tech startup. Like yeah, it. brilliant organization, really good. Yeah. And 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 Joy, you know, we know the the pandemic's been really really tough for all, but I I, I found that, that you you'd done a virtual mindset support program for minority ethnic individuals. Um tell us a bit about that. Sure. So that's um very much a a project which was covid driven. So we were looking for ways, this was during COVID and 
you know, like everybody at that, at that very moment, we were all saying, how can I help? How can I support? What can I do? And suddenly uh, uh, there was a, um, uh, one of the funders came out with this. If you've got a project that will help um, uh, disadvantaged people, we'd love to hear from you. Well, that was easy for us. So we spun that around quite quickly. And uh, my team got together and created this amazing six week program and we got the funding and we put it out there and supported, I can't remember now how many people, uh, I think we were looking at them and their families. Uh, so I think the whole thing, we were able to support about 74 people. Um, and it was all about their mindset and resilience because it, they were really struggling. You know, we were talking money, we're talking food, we're talking finances. Yeah. They had family, they had children in their home. They were trying to look for work one couple had just arrived in the country and knew nobody, hadn't even had time to meet the neighbors before they were locked down. So just giving them some tools to get through that was extremely rewarding. And it's a project that we've now got and we're trying to use it again and again. It's, gonna, it's one of our many projects that we can go on and use again. Yeah, no, I love it. I'm really passionate about that. Obviously when I was running the International Women's Centre in Dundee, I saw a lot of that firsthand, you know, migrant um, challenges, refugee challenges. And uh, so I, I, it really resonated when I saw that you were that you were doing something in that space. Um, so, you know, what, what, how, what can you say, Joy, how can we inspire or motivate leaders to think differently about about recruitment and diversity and I suppose purposeful business in general? Have you got any advice? Okay, well, businesses love stats. So I thought you might ask me this. So I've got my stats prepared. These Excellent. <laughs> stats, right. Businesses in the top quarter of companies with the highest racial diversity are 36% more likely to experience higher profit than their competitors. And businesses in the same bracket with high gender diversity are 25% more likely to experience higher profit. So if that isn't reason enough, I don't know what is, you know, this is saying everything. Without diversity of thought, you're not going to be as innovative to, enough to bring in more profit. So, you know, if there's anything this last year has taught us, it's that we need, we need people, don't we? We need people around us, we're humans, we need good people around, who we can rely on, communicate with, and who, who share our values. Now we're talking about values. Uh, very important when we're working purposefully. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I love that. And we'd love to tag in, we'll tag in some of the resources, some of those stats as well, Joy, just to show people where, where those they came from so they can maybe dig a bit deeper, but really interesting. Um, and Joy, what's, what's the best and worst piece of advice you've ever been given in throughout your career? Um, okay, so the best piece of advice is probably simply to be brave. Um, I am a great believer in coming out of your comfort zone. Now, you know, I shared with you at the top of this that I find interviews quite nerve wracking, but I, continue continue to do them because one day I'm going to get over that barrier of it being uncomfortable 
And I'm constantly telling my team that that's what I'm trying to do, you know, so that they come out of their comfort zones, that they're happy to come out of their comfort zones because there's progress. So that's about being brave, isn't it? Um, so I'm, I try to be brave every day and I, I, I advise lots of other people to be brave in what they're doing. And I think I have, I'm glad you asked me about the worst one as well, because the worst piece of advice I ever had was from an old chemistry teacher of mine. who I think he'd gotten really irritated because I didn't know the answer to some horrible question about chemistry. Um, so his advice to me was to go off and be an air hostess and marry an airline pilot because I was never going to pass my chemistry higher. <laughs> so that was really poor. And needless to say though, that it spurred me on to not only pass that chemistry higher, but to join the foreign office just to spite him. So that's what I did. <laughs> so sometimes bad advice is, can be helpful. That's it. That's a great story because it just reminds me of my um, when I was at school and they said you can do three things with your life you can be an air hostess a teacher or a chef and <laughs> I've never mastered I've never mastered any of them but you know that that was the only three options interestingly there was something on LinkedIn this morning a guy called Ben who was told he, he sort of described how he'd been um, from a council area living with a single parent and the teacher said to him, look, you just need to go and work in the local factory, basically. You know, you're not going to get anywhere in life. And, and, and that really spurred him on. And he's now um, a top lawyer living in some exotic island, you know, and he's leading this sort of crown service. And just a, just a great story of um, overcoming diversity, I suppose. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's a great story, too. I like that. Yeah. So, no, I love that. And and. Um, and I'm glad you've come out your comfort zone to speak to us today, Joy. <laughs> of course, of course. And listen, how, how would your friends describe you, do you think? What, what three words would they use to describe you? Well, that's an interesting one. Um, reliable. Very, I don't like to let people down. Um, she loves a challenge. That's for, that's for sure. Oh, and the other thing that they... I'm well known, or well known for is I like to stick to the plan. So they're often throwing that back in my face. So, oh no, let's stick to the plan. <laughs> um, so yeah, I like to stick to it. Love it. I'm just delighted. There's a P in there, Joy, that, that matches the whole mind your P's. That's, that's uh, brilliant. Of course. Yeah. Great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, On a plate. Yeah. And just tell me a bit about, about your team. How, how are they coping? I know you've got a team of um, eight or nine, I think, and they all, you've always worked remotely, haven't you? We have always worked remotely, yeah. So um, I wanted to keep overheads down in the early days. And so we've created very much a culture around that. And over the years, I've learned quite a lot really because I've taken on 23 interns, placements um, myself. Um, and I've learned through them how they're managing to work remotely. And some have clearly managed better than others, but I've learned how to deal with that um, and try to teach them too. And for, for some it's great and for some it doesn't work, but I needed the flexibility. So I presumed that other people would. And on the whole, that is very true. People do need flexibility and they, 
most of my team relish working from home. However, <laughs> COVID, um, yeah. that changed things slightly because even I, who enjoy working from home, need to get out occasionally and go to a meeting just to get out. Uh, you need to go and see your team, go for a meeting with them. And that hasn't happened. And that's really hard. So, you know, we've all done our best, haven't we? We're very fortunate because we have Slack and these jolly things that really build us up and make us have a bit of fun, you know, posting pictures and keeping each other sorted and happy. Um, and that has created our culture and continues to create it. It just keeps it going. But we have to now get, get on and get out and start seeing each other because we're all we're all at that stage now, aren't we, where we don't yeah. want to be in for much longer. No, so I think I'm sure when this goes out, we'll all be meeting again, hopefully. We will be with a glass of wine, hopefully, Joy, outside a, a, a lovely public house somewhere would be nice. <laughs> yes. But no, I'm very proud of them. They're doing really well. And uh, we've had a, a very busy time over COVID and they have been extraordinary. Yeah. And what's next for AEI employability? What's in the plan? Oh, well, onwards and upwards, I think, you know, we do want to do a lot more workshops. So shift um, across to doing some more workshops because they're, they're being, they're so popular right now. And I think it's quite key with diversity being so important to businesses. Um, recruitment to me is important too. I, I really am trying to continue to change the face of recruitment. I want it to be open, accessible, uh, so that will always stay close to my heart. Um, but we're also acting as kickstart gateways right now and, and working with a lot of different and new employers and finding out some of the things that they need. And they do want help taking on young people. Um, now we've, as I say, we've always worked with young people, but a lot of different age groups as well. Um, but we do, we have heard in the past that employers have been saying they're not work ready. You know, they're not work ready. I've taken on young people before and they're not work ready. And you think, mm. how can you cure that? How do you help them be work ready? Well, now we've got some plans. We've got some training devised to help them become work ready. So employers can take them on into a job and then we can come in and just in the background, help them to settle into the workplace, learn how to be in a, in a work environment um, and get them ready for that job. Yeah, well, I'm really familiar with that because um, I sit on the board at, at Dundee University, the School of Business, and it's a topic we were just talking about is how do we make sure that that these students and, and graduates are work ready? Um, what you know, how can the university support that through the program even? Um, so there might be some tie ups there as well, Joy. That would be great to hear. I love that. Yes, because we've literally got everything sorted and developed now. So it's ready to go. And yeah. Great. Well, it sounds, listen, it sounds really exciting. And I, I love the workshops that you do and the diversity and inclusivity yeah. and the support that you give to businesses without judgment. I think that's what I really love about what you do is that, you know, we're all trying to do our best here and we just need a bit of support to to make us better and uh, so thanks for everything you do joy it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you well that's lovely and i think that does make our that does actually just hit on the uniqueness of our workshops they are different they're not you need to do this you need to do that it's just about awareness and uh, and examples and uh, it's uh, they can be fun as well they don't have to be 
dictatorial at all. Absolutely. No, but, we'll, we'll definitely put some links to those workshops in, in the resources and I'm sure that many of the people who are listening will will dive into those. Um, so thank you, Joy, and, uh, and take care. Thank you, Caroline. Take care of yourselves. Bye.